Hello operatives, welcome to episode 18 of Once Upon a Kill Team, the podcast about narrative play in Warhammer 40,000 Kill Team. I'm Jason. And I'm Sean. And we want to talk to you about building stories around the gameplay in this grim, dark, terrible universe. In this episode, we discuss how your kill team will progress and evolve over the course of a campaign. We look at how you gain XP and how you can level up your operatives, casualty rolls, injuries and death. We also touch on what to do at the end of your spec op. Retire your team or carry on. That sounds pretty good, but before we get to that, we have our regular hobby corner slot. Now, tell me, what have you been up to? I feel like... This and the last couple of episodes have just been disappointing from my end. So, absolutely nothing from me. I've been doing no hobby whatsoever. I'm moving house in a couple of weeks. So, my Warhammer desk and workstation were some of the first bits to get packed up. So, everything's looking at me very happy in a, in some cardboard boxes over in the dining room. Um, but, and this bit there, there is some hobby adjacent progress... I have recently bought myself a laser line pointer. Ooh. Starting to take it seriously 18 months in. Because I, I, I just need to get a handle on this non-reciprocal thing and stop eyeballing it and going, eh, maybe. Because uh, it's costing me. I want to be able to play as good as I can. I did also buy myself a new set of dice. I managed to find some out-of-production Horus Heresy World Eaters dice on eBay for not a ridiculous amount of money. I wasn't going to do it if they were they were too much, but it's a it's a very handsome mottled blue. Did you have to sell the house to buy the dice? Well, there is a reason that we're moving, so <laughs> don't don't tell the wife. They've got they've got the World Eaters logo the more on the sixes. Oh, nice. So, hopefully because they're pretty, they will now roll what I need them to roll. And that's kind of my, my update on the side of things. Um, talk to me next time and we'll we'll see what... I've got plans. I've got plans. Oh, I like the idea of plans. What have you... Have you, have you, have you done something interesting? <laughs> uh, well, I had a lot of fun uh, building my replacement vet guard team. I always feel bad about uh, the show. I like to present this as Mr. Kitbash, that's you, versus Mr. Build Them Out of the Box, that's me. Uh, and I've betrayed my people again by having to do a tiny bit of kitbashing to turn the new Cadian Shock Troop box and Command Squad box into a 15-person roster uh, for the Vet Guard. So um, I had to kitbash the Sniper... Uh, the spotter, the demo, and the hardened um, persons. Uh, I'm particularly pleased with the spotter, who I've given um, a female head, and she looks a little bit, more than a little bit, like the Trumble from Matilda. So Trunchbull. Mrs. Trunchbull. Mrs. Trunchbull. We'll edit that. Um, <laughs> don't edit it, it's funny. Um, the Trunchbull, yeah, and yeah, so um, that that could be funny. That's cool. Is it is it rather than a barrage? It's just going to be doing a, a hammer toss of small children. <laughs> now that would be funny, and even funnier, Kitbash, wouldn't it? 
Uh, yes. Anyway, that's very good. And I'm, and I'm particularly pleased with my uh, demo person who is sort of carrying one of the melter mines with his hand up to his head like he's got a hot potato and he's uh, wants to get rid of it. He, he looks like he's got some expediency behind him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I built those and I've made a start on painting. As ever, I I look at them with base coat colours and primer and just think these look the most terrible things ever. It really only ever comes together right at the end once you're in wash and highlight territory. Um, yeah, that, that middle stage is always is always where you doubt yourself. Or It's not good. It's not good. Anyway, uh, and I'm taking my time with these guys because I don't have... Um, anything else in You've the You've got nothing to race on to. No, that's how, how I roll. Yeah, that's it. All about some games. You had any games? I did. I managed to... I had literally a game last week uh, versus Ant. And I thought before our event on the 18th, I should probably get a, get a game in with my new Legionary team. So it was the Frenzied Mall's first outing. And we went up against um, Ant's Grey Knights. Uh, it was really thematic considering what's going on with the whole Arcs of Omen thing at the moment. Uh, uh, and we got to play on Morak. Um, we had a massive building in the middle that we had to search around the objectives to find some critical intel. Uh, it was extremely bloody. Operatives were le- lost left, right and centre. Because for some reason... With Grey Knights, putting Relentless on absolutely every weapon just makes them really consistent. Being able to just re-roll any of the dice you don't like the look of. Sure. To just needing that three up. It's just just super consistent. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, so that was one of the ones where I lost my anointed turn one. I was like, oh, what? Guess I'll find out how, how he's meant to be played in the, in the tournament then. Oh blimey, that's that's basically the best one. I know exactly. So the game ended where we literally had one operative left a piece, both of which were on like two or three wounds, and by sheer luck of movement from the turn before, I managed to move my Shrive Talon onto within two meters within the, the inch to pick up the intel. Uh and if I hadn't managed to squeak out that movement it would have been a draw wow i love a close game and you're super close yeah it was it was very dramatic uh and made even better by the addition of pizza because a bit of home power <laughs> you gotta have the home comforts as well sounds great have you have you managed to to get any in i have uh well talking of a close game i um uh, I've been trying to sort of finish my spec up with my Phobos strike team, strike team Gambit. Uh, and I played my friend George, who's got an amazingly painted uh, Imperial Navy Breaches team. They look amazing. I, he's really talented painter. Um, and we played on an open board. So I think everyone knows that Phobos are not that great and Breaches are amazing. But I think they're a bit less amazing on open yeah, because he's got a lot of short, short-range weapons, uh, so it evened things up a little bit. And and talk about uh, close game. Um, it all came down 
pretty much. He managed to get his Geist Skull explosive thing in between my Reaver Sergeant and uh, another operative, both of which were on two or three wounds. Mm-hmm. One wrong dice roll a different way, and I would have lost. I would have lost both those operatives who went on to do you know, cool things. Uh, yeah, so I think I won by one or two points. Um but very yeah. close, very close. The tarot weighed in your favour. It did, it did. And my Reaver Sergeant managed his cool double kill move, which I'm sort of getting off most games now. Nice. Um, then uh, we had the elimination tournament where I went back to my old blooded team again and I played friend of the show Nick and his Fastalker Kim Band this was not a close game. It was pretty, pretty much all over by the shouting on turn two because <laughs> of the crew's crazy moves. They could, uh, they could. He nicked an objective off me um, under my very it. nose. Hilford. Poached. Used the actual tack op poach. No tack 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 ploy poach. Um, I did. What I did get though was quite good. Uh, my diabolic bomb threw into three crew, killed two of them, wounded one. That was quite a satisfying move. I've heard I've heard horror stories of this diabolic bomb. Luckily it's never been used against me, so Yeah, I think it's the best I've ever got it. I don't think I've had that many people bunch up when I've had my grenadier nearby, but that was so I very nearly uh tabled him, but I just didn't come anywhere near close to getting enough points, so now uh Far be it from me to advise listeners out there, but it's about victory points, kids. It's not about how many people you kill. <laughs> um, uh, and then this week, I played a uh, player not played before, uh, Nasif, uh, and you'll be pleased as another Death Watch player. And they're cr- they're coming out of the woodwork. Oh my god, you can't move from out there. It's like they're a good faction or something, or certainly an interesting they're faction. They're not. <laughs> Well, don't tell me they're not, because I got tabled. <laughs> they're, they're actually super S plus plus, so you know. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, what they what they are. Is they're quite lethal if you allow them, and um, my Phobos strike team just could do not much more than chip damage, whilst I was being charged and ripped apart by phase blades and things. Um, but in a perfect end to the spec op, I was basically losing. I was down to the last couple of operatives, um, and I had to do the saboteurs um, uh, faction tack op, mm-hmm. which there are, there are three things. Of course, I've made these the three tarot cards I had to pick up. I needed to do at least two of them, and on pretty much the last move of my last operative which happened to be my veteran uh, marine he he picked up the, the tarot completed that spec op didn't matter for the game i'd already lost the game yeah um and then in what turn and then he of course he died so i got completely completely tabled and then what i thought was a poetic end to the whole campaign when i was doing injury rolls for everybody he rolled a one for injury and he rolled another one for dead. Oh, the snake eyes. The marine veteran 
died completing the mission, recovering the chapter relic, bringing honour back to the Silver Skulls. Could it have ended better than that? I doubt Dan Abnett could write anything better. Yeah, he's got nothing on. He's got nothing on me. Um, anyway, that was really good, and, and I would say I've kind of, despite them supposedly being a bit rubbish, uh, I won a reasonable number of games with the Phobos, and really quite enjoyed their sneakiness and their sort of tricks. So yeah, it's been a fun time. I'm glad. I'm but glad. Is, you, I'm glad you enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? I may come back to them at some point. Yeah, circle back around. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's all my games. That's really good. Um, I've been I've been tempted to circle back around to just playing pure Death Watch without without the proxies. I've been tempted. Yeah. I mean, I'll be interested if you play something else. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I thought I thought I thought you were going to say that. You know, I'll play Breaches. <laughs> It's it's on my to do list to get them done before uh, the summer. Okay, well, you heard it here. Heard it here. That was that was a promise. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I think it's time for us to do another team background. So who do we have this time? We've got uh, we've got Mikel and his Star Striders. Okay, here goes. House Vane was almost 10,000 years old when Srilata was born. Blamed for the death of a sibling at an early age, she was ostracised by her parents and she eventually struck out to forge a path elsewhere. Decades passed without any direct contact between Srilata and her parents, but when an estranged aunt died and she was mentioned in the will, she chose to make her way back to her ancestral home. Not much of concrete value was left for her, but the aunt had bequeathed her a notebook. The book contained strange sketches of humanoid creatures and a star chart. Intrigued, Srilata set off on an expedition on her ship, Lalon's Legacy, Guided by the star charts in search of the secrets hinted at in the notebook, her search brought her to Carrion, where Lalan's legacy is now orbiting. While Sralata Vane and her loyal crew are scouring Carrion for secrets. It's a treasure map! I love it! <laughs> Pirate Treasure Island Carrion Edition. You can do whatever you like with a rogue trader story. Yes, it's really good. I quite like the notebook. You could build so much on this thanks thanks Mikel yeah thank you and it was really nice to meet you uh, last month at the other at the tournament well I've yet to give him a game uh, yeah he totally uh, tore me a new one when I played him but it's very good I, I, I'd very enjoyable I'd like to give him another crack I am worried all these new additions to our campaign are better than me my ego is not going to hold up. That's why we play narrative. <laughs> uh, so a bit of news, I guess. Uh, we've had the details drop from all of our favourite content creators. Soul Shackle 
it's here, or rather it's not. <laughs> well, so, uh, uh, yeah, I guess we better talk about it. Um, the Exaction Squad, so that's the Arbites, am I still saying that right? Yes. To you rebels out there, and the Hand of the Archon, the Jukari, or Dark Eldar, as I like to still think of them. Um, and if you've listened to any recent episodes, you'll know that I am completely in love with the idea of the Arbites. Um, to the point where, of course, typical of myself, I've already got a background story. I know the paint job I'd give them. I've got names worked out. Oh, fantastic. Uh, t- TV detectives, obviously. Obviously. Um, which is uh, sad or cool, delete as appropriate. Um, so I really, I was really amazed. You know, really wanted the Arbites team, and I was wasn't planning on getting the box, and I really hoped somebody didn't fancy the space cops, and I could just pick pick some up. Um, but then, of course, like many of us, I looked at a few videos that came out about more details about the uh, hand of the Archon team, and mm-hmm. thought actually some of this stuff looks pretty cool. They've got something called a torment grenade. Is this the one that poisons? Uh, I don't know. It sounds like the one that goes off and it like torment, lit, you know, torments people around it. It sounded a bit OG to me, but uh, and I'm not normally, you know, I don't think we're we're, we're a kink friendly uh, podcast, but uh, it's not really my thing to have all the <laughs> whips and chains and stuff, but. I've got to say, some of the they've got a bird. Obviously, you have a pet in of every course. team. Um, they seemed quite killy and actually thematic. So, uh, what's a bit more embarrassing is, and I, I want to make this clear, I only looked on a few websites to just to check what the prices were for research. And my ha- for research for the, in the interests of science and. I won't lie, I was actually hovered my finger over by and I was saved. Saved, I tell you, because they're all out of stock. Yeah. So I didn't really want to buy this box. I almost bought this box and I was only saved by the fact that probably about 50,000 40k players have bought the box or something. Um, uh, so I haven't got it. <laughs> my my, uh, my lack of restraint... Was tested. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I don't think I'll be getting this one, but I will be looking out for the single box of Space Cops. They'll they'll be here in three months, quicker quicker than anything. Oh, what it did do? It did make me get out of um, storage my five compendium books of Judge Dredd. Um, which I, I saw you put the photo up, the volumes. Yeah, I couldn't help but start rereading. The undoubted inspiration for the Arbites. Yeah. Um, homage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's good fun going back to those. So that'll be, that'll be my reading over the next uh, few weeks. Oh, fantastic. I I like the look of both of the teams. I think the Drukari one is probably one where I'd never buy the models. I probably would buy the Arbites models because they're, they're quite clean-cut Um and I think they'd run really well if I used ink the 
the Inquisitor Draxis, the one with the the little wyvern who sits on her power fist. Yeah, yeah. Because cool she's model. in the same carapace armor, so, yeah. so I think I think that she would blend seamlessly into the team, and that that would be quite nice as a as an Inquisitor with with a with a retinue of enforcers behind her. And the the Drakari, I I'd really like. They've got aspects of all this. Drukhari culture, like they've got the witch inspiration, they've got the humunculus inspiration and, and the and the racks as well. But I don't understand why they didn't just have a witch, a homunculus, a rack, maybe a mandrake, and like bring in all these aspects. I know they're they're a hand of the archon, it's an elite cabalite squad. But I think it would have been cool to you know, like the like the Hierotech circle, just just pull from all these different aspects of the lore and and make it as if the the tribes were working together on this one yeah yeah uh, so uh, if i did run them i'd make it <laughs> yeah i mean the other thing that i've sort of come to the conclusion of now is that um when a new team comes out is don't worry about playing them for at least two balanced data slates because that's when they'll mature into kind of their final form they'll settle yeah so i think all told i'm actually relieved uh it was sold out and uh i can just bide my time i've got plenty of teams to play i don't need any more teams really yeah yeah so before we get onto the main segment of the show i think it's time for a word from one of our sponsors this episode is brought to you by St. Valentine's Day Special Offers. Not sure what to get your loved one for St. Valentine's Day? What about treating them to the wonders of a Harlequin's kiss? Or maybe gifting them a relaxing spa day at the Four-Armed Embrace Lodge and Winery? Their hypnotherapy is second to none, I'm told. Of course, the ultimate love is for our Lord and Master, the Emperor of mankind. Send him one of our Astro cards straight from your digipad. Get 20% off with the code O-U-A-K-T. Enjoy. Love to you all. Magical. Magical. So the main segment of our show, um, we're going to be talking about XP, levelling up, battle honours, injuries and what to do at the end of your first spec up. Now, the big, big difference of playing Kill Team Narrative as opposed to Match Play is the chance to make one one game have consequences for future games. And the main official way to make an impact is for your operatives to accumulate experience points, gain battle honours, or maybe some injuries along the way. This means that win or lose, your campaign team has made some progress and over time will evolve and hopefully get better. Or they could all have a limp. <laughs> so we're we're going to be talking about how XP works, skill paths, and what are the choices over an operative's career. Um, we could we're going we're going to go over which factions have some really fun battle honors. Uh, we're going to talk about death and injury, battle scars, what to do when you accumulate them, what what happens when someone needs to be taken off the day display. What happens when you finish your spec op? It goes on. So I think we should just knuckle down and get into it. 
Absolutely. Officially, for XP, during a battle, the deeds of your operative will not only determine who wins the game, but will also earn them experience points. Each time a friendly operative gains or loses XP, though I've yet to come across an instance where they do lose XP. I think they're just future-proofing themselves. You adjust the XP tally on its narrative data card accordingly. After a battle in the update data slate step of the mission sequence, operatives gain XP for the following. If an operative incapacitates any enemy operatives in a battle, it gets one. Any of them, doesn't matter how many, just one. If an operative completes any mission actions in a battle, excluding the operate hatch action, and or earns you any victory points for controlling an objective marker in the battle, you get an additional one. Uh, And then each time you complete a condition of attack op, select one friendly operative that scored you those VPs to earn one experience point per VP. Uh, Yeah. That's that's the official rules. Um, Those are the rules. And it sounds really Um, wordy when you say it like that. But... If they kill anyone, they get one. If they score you any main mission points, they get one. And then if they if they your whiz and score you all six tack up points, they can get up to six. <laughs> That's right. Now this is the bit that can put people off, I guess, which is admin. This is there's more admin with this, and so you're going to have to think of some way during a game to note who's got an XP uh, and and tally it for the game. So I I use literally a bit of paper with a table on it with the names of my operatives and I note down, you know, I'm a bit more of an, I I note down more than just uh, the minimum, but I note down all the kills, the the XP. Some people use apps. There is, in fact, a very good um, uh, Kill Team narrative app now give that a go that's quite a way of doing it i was going to mention um, it. it's the teammate app uh, yeah and it's only on ios at the moment but it is really good because you start a game like with the with the kill team scorecard app you start a game but as you score the tack ops you can assign which operative scored you those tack op victory points and then at the end of the game it just tallies it all up for you um it's quite nice as a bit of reference and does the does the admin semi-automatically for you nice but uh, yeah that bring a notebook or print something off you've got to do something to record it and it's best to do it kind of as you go along yeah you're quite likely the heat of battle afterwards you won't you won't remember who scored what uh secondarily to this our group has a house rule. We even involved a fourth way that an octave could score XP, and that's with legend XP. Um, say, for each battle, if your opponent has presented you with their kill team's background and the reason that the two of you are participating in this fight, you can award your opponent a legend experience point. Uh, and a legend experience point can be spent on any operative in your kill team that fights in that battle. So, so it's up to you where you can position that, uh, or you just give it to whoever performed best. 
Um, this can be arranged prior to the game. Uh, we do it through Discord um, and just like arrange the why behind our, our mission together. Or, or if you're an especial nerd like me, you'll write up a reason <laughs> a little prologue. <laughs> and, and sometimes mail it to your opponent. But, but, but for me, this is, I mean, I was always doing this even in games that weren't narrative. It was like, why are we, why are we fighting? Yeah. I'm searching for this object. I'm it's your getting reason. this bit of Intel. Yeah. 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 So have a think about what your over, your overall kill team's goal is. What's your spec up? What are you trying to do? Um, What's the objective for this particular mission? How does it get you on that? Which step is this on that longer mission? And you can flavor these differently and and, and include bits from your background. Um, what's it was even better maybe is if you play the same people regularly, you can get grudges and uh, that's always really nice. Yeah. Um, so what's brought you in? Uh, this is obviously optional, but I kind of think if you're going to play narrative it's great to sort of build this kind of pre-game tension and then be able to wrap it up afterwards. Completely. So once our operatives have started gaining experience points, we come on to battle honors and skill paths. So our operatives start with zero experience points, and at that point they are an adept rank. When they get to six experience points, they reach the next threshold and they level up or gain a rank and become veteran. This allows them to gain their first battle honor, which will be a new ability that makes them better, or it's a, it's a new ability that gets added to the data card. In the core rules, there are four potential battle honors that are open to all factions. We have combat, staunch, marksman, and scout, plus, plus some bespoke teams They've got their own table that you can roll off uh, optionally. A given operative will have on their data, data slate which of these categories they can choose from. So, for example, your say your sharpshooter on Phobos, he might have access to Marksman and Scout. Uh, and again, if they're, if they're a bespoke team, you do always have the option to roll on the factions uh, battle on a table. So now we get to the point of how do we choose what battle or honor we want? Rules as written, you roll 1d6 and that's your result. You get to re-roll any duplicate effects. So say if they gain something that their data card already lets them do, or if you've already got that battle honor, you can roll again. And that's it. For the min-maxes out there, your group could may agree between yourselves to just pick. Choose which one fits your character best, or choose which one makes them the, the best in the next battle. Um, in our group, we ask people to roll 2d6 and pick between them. So it just improves the odds that you might get something that you were like, oh, I really want this one. Um, but the bit of randomness is still there. You could get two that potentially you hadn't looked at before, and now you've got to choose between them of, like, how is this operative progressing? Uh, I think this is quite a good compromise. I've got to say I've been quite happy with it because it, uh, it does reduce the chance of a bad roll giving you something that's 
not very good. I mean, it's, I guess it's also worth mentioning that not all battle honours are equal. Mm-hmm. Some are going to be more suited to a given type of operative uh, than others. Um, so the 2d6 and pick one I've found pretty satisfying. Um, and added to that, so the good news is once your operative has a battle honour, they have it forever, or at least until they die. Um, so as you as you go along, this won't go away. Uh, you can't lose them, which is good. And as they rise through the ranks, and, and the ranks are adept, veteran, ace, grizzled, and revered. Revered being the top one. And at each of these levels, they gain another power. So it is possible for an operative to have, have four battle honours and be really pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I, I, I it, think it's worth mentioning that when, when you do cho- choose that first battle honour that you gain, um, when you pick from one of the core four tables, they are locked into that for the rest of their uh, ranking up career. Uh, but with the bespoke teams, you've always got the option of dipping in and out of those those tables. Yeah, so uh, battle honours, they're cool. They're, I don't think there's any... Um, there's no negative ones, so you're always going to end up with something something quite good. So, so examples of ones that are excellent um, would be... So my Reaver Sergeant on the Phobos team... Uh, when I rolled recently, he got duelist, which means enemy operatives get minus one um, weapon skill. He's pretty much a melee demon. So, He's your blender, um, isn't he? That's pretty damn handy. Um, whereas uh, my blooded grenadier with his seven wounds uh, was lucky enough to get stalwart, which means he's never injured. That doesn't mean he can't get it. He can't lose wounds because <laughs> he certainly can. Uh, and the problem is with the seven wound model getting is never injured is he's often not alive to be injured. Um, he usually has two states dead and alive. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of a digital less analog on that, on that front. Yeah. And, and, and something that a friend of the show, Nick sort of mentioned to me a little while ago is the, if you've got an elite team, you're you're likely to get more out of your battle honours because just simply because because they're hardier and less easy to kill, they'll get more turns of use out of a battle honour than a fragile um, operative. That makes so, sense. So, so yeah, there's something. There is an advantage for elite teams in narrative. Both they'll get more XP quicker and can potentially make more use of them. Um, but yeah, something to, something to bear in mind. And this all becomes important when trying to level a game between someone who's got a leveled up team, who's got tons of battle honours, maybe you've collected a few strategic assets along the way, versus someone who maybe hasn't managed to get as many games in or maybe they haven't been managing to score very highly so they just don't have the xp there they're not very leveled up and for every two battle honors or and strategic assets that you have more than your opponent or vice versa they get an extra cp 
or an extra two EP to spend uh, and equip their operatives with for that gain. Um, are some of these honours worth that trade? Is a battle honour equal to a... Or are two battle honours equal to a CP? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I remember you saying that in, in the case of your blooded, their ploys and equipment were pretty awful and like the, the tactical ploys, you've already got enough CP so you didn't need to spend more unless it was just on re-rolls. No, in contrast that to the Phobos team who um, have excellent ploys and excellent equipment and so I think I played friend of the show Nick with his amazingly levelled up crew a little while ago and I started the game with eight command points. I was doing Vanguard and Bolt of Discipline every turn, didn't even hesitate, which is very, very nice. Lovely. So what are some what are some fun battle honors that that you've you've been enjoying? Uh well Perhaps not fun as such, or at least not fun to your opponent. Probably one of the most Handy. consistent, consistently useful, perhaps, is staunch. So if your operative is allowed staunch, it is quite tempting to roll on that, certainly for your first battle honour. Um, adding wounds, shrugging off an injury, changing crits to normals, these are just some of the useful... Uh, battle honors you can get from staunch um yeah so that, that's one to consider to be on the practical level um but yeah i don't know fun you got a good example of fun yeah i've got a fluffy one for because i've recently been, been playing all all of the intercession so i'm going to take one from their bespoke tree which is chapter exemplar uh, and when I was rolling to level up my operative for the first time, I would always roll on the intercession tree and always hope that I would get this one. Um, because it allows them to take an additional chapter tactic from any of the categories that they already have access to. Uh, and because I was running mine as Death Watch, it was really nice to add some more character to the operatives and differentiate between them to show that, yes, they've got the same training, but like, oh, my Black Templar, he's got the battle honor that lets him charge within engagement range of other people. So he can dart between everyone and barrel through them to get to the person that he really wants to get to. Flying over them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Launching himself. He's d ducking and diving. I must admit, the one, one, I, one I quite liked, and this only really works uh, well on three APL operatives, but one I had for my Kelomorph uh, on the scout table is Swift. And this means you can dash twice. So the idea of move dash dash, uh, someone could That's go twelve inches, twelve inches across the board. If they have to shift, they can they can do it. And I thought that was really thematic for a kind of a, a gene stealer um, getting down on all fours, all, all well, sixes. You know, uh, scuttling is the word that came to my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, there are there are fun ones out there, and there are ones that are highly appropriate to certain um, certain operatives. So you know, do look out. Yeah, I I, I would say on the, on the teams that I've had, I've not been overwhelmed with enthusiasm for the faction ones. So I'm thinking, um, blooded, uh, Wormblade and Phobos. 
partly because there's a couple on each of those that are not that great, and I'm a bit worried about rolling and getting one that's not very good. Yeah. Um, and that's a shame because I'm all about theme, and I'm all about you know wanting to 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 go as deep as I can on the thematic side of these teams, all of which I really like. Um, so I found that a bit of a shame. I think they could have done a better job there. I really hope that the RBTs have narrative battle honours that are, have some like signifier to either the Judge Dread comics or like 1990s cop comedy shows. What? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm re- I'm, much... I've got I've got the idea of Police Academy in me in my in my head. Oh right, uh, yeah. Do Games Workshop have a sense of humour? That's uh, that's their question. That's true. That's true. Okay, now now the section on death and injury. Yeah, battle scars. Uh, so as. If you've played a few games of Kill Team, you'll know it's a tough old universe out there, uh, and quite a few of your operatives are likely to get incapacitated in the game. I would say I have had one game where no one got incapacitated. I couldn't believe it. That was pretty pretty un, unexpected. Well, but normally, at least some people are going to get knocked over. Um, and for every one of your operatives that is incapacitated during a game, following that game, uh, you are going to have to roll on the casualty test, or, or roll a casualty test. So it's a 1d6, and it is not too bad. Um, on a 2+, plus, they are fine. Um, on a 1, you're going to get an injury, and then... You have a choice. If you have been wise and sagely and have something like a med bay, or if one of your surviving operatives has the medic, um, uh, uh, whatever the keyword, uh, then you can re-roll one of those um, injury fails. But if you either fail it again or you were not wise enough to have uh, a med bay, then you're going to have to roll on the injury table. Now, the injury table is six things, and number one is death. (laughs) So essentially, you have to have the bad luck to roll double one for an operative to be permanently dead. Barely a chance, right? Barely a chance. Has happened to me a couple of times. (laughs) In fact, I think it's happened to me three times in all of the games, all the narrative games I've ever played. So... And bearing in mind, I've had horde teams who get frequently put down, you know, wiped out. Uh, that's actually pretty rare. So I, had, I would say this is not a particularly cruel game. Um, some of the injuries are not, you know, can be debilitating. Um, but if you have a player with an injury, it's not impossible to swap them out. You can use the RP that you got from the, the requisition point that you got from the game to bring in. That operative's twin brother, stroke sister, stroke creature, Son. <laughs> father, mother. His <laughs> grenadier junior. Yeah. So uh, things are not dire if you lose an operative either to injury or death. Um, what is a problem is obviously a dead, a dead person, if they were super leveled up, is going to hurt. 
and in a way, in a narrative game, you want it to hurt. You want to yeah. you want to you be attached to these people. Yeah, I've cared when they've died. <laughs> so, um, but even in death, death is still not completely the end. Because there's one thing you can do with death, and what's that? Good old medivac. Good old medivac. This will mean you have to skip a game, but you've been flown to an emergency, in, insert whatever your faction's equivalent of a hospital is, uh, and you've been treated. So that's, that's what to do with your mega-leveled-up, revered person. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so if, you, if, if you had people die on you, Sean... The the fates have smiled upon me, and I've barely even got injuries. I've had no one die on me yet, though. So now I've jinxed myself, and the world eaters will probably get wiped out game one. Corn uh, cares not where the, where the blood, blood flows blood comes from. from. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a dangerous world out there, except in Kill Team, actually, it's not, it's not yeah. overly terrible, I would say that. Um... Okay, so we've covered XP, battle honours, injury, and very rarely death. Um, what about getting to the end of your spec op? Right. So you've completed your first spec op, you're going to get a few rewards. You're going to get some XP, you're going to get some RP, and maybe a piece of rare equipment, or maybe your strategic asset capacity has increased. Freeing That's up nice. some, some choice choices for yourself. The team is nicely shaping up. What do we do next? Well, you can pick a new spec up and carry on with the same team, advancing their story and getting them stronger and stronger. If you consider each spec up to be an arc of a story, you've just completed the beginning. We've got the middle and the end to go through. Uh, and if you've got an elite team, it's very likely that your operatives will have at least one battle honour each, if not more. A horde team may still find that many on the team are just adepts, so maybe you want another spec op with them to try and bring bring some more of the, the stragglers behind and rank them up as well. Now, here's where I think we we differ a bit. So my feeling on these generally is I've completed one spec op, and I've often found, uh, and maybe this is because I always try to, or at least with the, the last few um, teams I've done, I've always tried to have some kind of mini mission, yeah. some kind of unofficial side narrative reason why they're doing all this. So with the blooded team, the, it was the, are they, are they not going to fall to chaos? And I found that actually, cool. that was pretty exciting, actually. I was, I was really pleased with that one. And then with the Phobos, I've had... Are they going to find their tarot card? Um, and with the worm blade I had, are they they're finding clues to find their long lost brethren? Of course, which they found to be gene stealers, and it wasn't as fun as they thought. Um, uh, <laughs> We've all had that so, at the family reunion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I found like when I've got to the end of a spec I've often been like, oh, that was great. I've got to the end. My little mini story has kind of culminated, and I'm generally happy to sort of put that team to bed and move on to another one but i think you're you're more dedicated than i am i think i think it's it's 
if you think of the story that you're making with your team, you could think of it as a book. So, so if mine may be more of like a big old chunky um, tome about one team and their their trials and and tribulations from A to B, whereas we could think of your book as like a collection of short stories where you've got an <laughs> anthology of all these different teams, all these different snippets of what's going on in the in the 40k universe. And it's really nice to to have that collection of different narratives all you know, you you've lived through them as you've been playing the games. So you're writing Game of Thrones and I'm writing um you know, a book of short stories or something. <laughs> oh, yours sounds better than, than yours, yours sounds better but... now. Yeah, but you. So you'll be. I mean, I, I kind of think, particularly, uh, your sergeant, your Death Watch sergeant, has now yeah. gone through how many spec ops? How many spec ops have you done with him as your leader? So Flavius, with, with him, just in the Death Watch team. Or, or throughout all my teams, throughout all of them. He you you be the judge. <laughs> so, with my very first Death Watch team, I completed six Spec Ops. Oh my god, That's, that is um, an epic. Which is why, well, he himself got to revered rank. Uh, and then I used him, I didn't use him with Walk Coven, and... I did use him with intercession, but I didn't finish a spec op with intercession. So he's done six spec ops, six and a and two thirds spec ops. Well, I've never got anybody more than veteran, so that's interesting. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe it's because I'm like he's the hero of my story. He's going to go out and do everything and just funnel the XP into him. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're, um, I think we, we've joked about this. You're, you're monogamous, whereas I am player's got to play, uh, <laughs> narratively so, flirtatious. Yeah. Uh, quite, quite. Um, well, so, so listeners, I think, I think, I think you can take your pick here. Um, I think obviously the answer is you take your story as far as, you want to take it and as far as you're enjoying that team and continuing their mission i know uh some people just you know really enjoy seeing how far they can take a team you yeah. know all the way to revered that can be that can be fun in itself um although i think that touches on our next kind of topic which is how do you even try to keep things even so um, one of the things I, I could say I, I really like about our own narrative group, and I think we've mentioned this a few times on previous um, episodes, it's the fact that we've got quite a loose sort of structure and we yeah. all go at more or less our own pace. And um, some people can play a couple of times a week. Uh, other people can play once a month. And it doesn't matter because we play at our own play pace. We set our own story, and yeah, it kind of it kind of that kind of works. But what it does mean, the consequence of that is that some people will get, you know, super level teams up to, 
you know, revered and multi-spec ops. And then others, when they're starting out, may not be as good. And um, it's possible there's no easy answer to how to how to balance this. Now, of course, there are balancing effects in the game. We spoke about it earlier with, you know, um, the, the lower level team can get extra command points and equipment. Uh, but this is... I think that's only good when they're roughly only a bit yeah, out of when, sync. Yeah, when the disparity is not so much. If if you are only getting one game in a month, and you're going up against someone who's available, this is their third game of the week. You know, they're just cranking them out. You don't want your one game of the month to be you getting stomped on by these <laughs> no uh, higher level higher level operatives. So I think I uh, I think there's there's some work some work that you can do. Um, to, to balance it and a lot of it's just communication between players like if you are playing narrative you're you may be a bit more forgiving um and the person with fewer assets and battle honors you could just ask the player that you are playing like hey this is like my third game of the whole campaign i know you're on game 13 do you mind if you just rewind your operatives a bit and we tell a story from earlier on in your operatives career so you make the disparity between the teams less so. Or... <laughs> What's or, the other solution? <laughs> or... Uh, <laughs> if you see what your opponent has brought to the table, they've got operatives with battle honours and strategic asset, assets spilling out of their pockets, you could go, right, do you want a fun game? Because how about I tally up what you've got and I distribute that across my team. Uh, I've done that. Me and Nick, we did a what if and ran. he ran Legionaries and I ran my Death Watch. Everyone was max level with all the rare equipment we could dream of. And just to see, <laughs> just to see what would happen. So that's an option as well. If you want, if you just want to have a... It's been 10,000 years since we last saw each other. You know, the <laughs> anime boss fight ending at the at the end of the season. Go max level. Or or just match what your opponents brought. Uh, and and you could be telling a... It's like a... It could either be a, a flash forward or a flashback. Like a, a memory or a, or a precognition. You know? Well... If we, um, just in case we need to occasionally remind our listeners that we should all be having fun. Yeah. And it's, and it's only fun if everybody had a good time. Um, so you pick your way of, uh, making sure that it is fun for both people and that, uh, yeah, you bring, you bring the, you leave the table with a handshake and a smile. Yeah. Communication's uh, key. Yeah, yeah, for definite. Um, however, I think that about brings uh, to an end our main segment of the show. I hope that has been informative. Uh, it was us reading out rules a bit, but I think this is undoubtedly the most asked question about narrative. Yeah. Certainly, I think, it, from what I've seen. So hopefully that was useful to you all. But uh, yeah, I think 
that'll do it for this one yeah and again if you do have any questions just reach out to to either jason or myself on social media or ask someone i know there's not that many people talking about it online but we're in a couple of discords give us a ping if you can see our names next time on once upon a kill team we have another special guest it's time to feel the war it is mr greenskin himself we're gonna have emmanuel from the Killzone podcast and strategic advantage youtube channel another round of guest questions on the way and i for one can't wait it'll be amazing uh if what you've heard on this podcast sounds even remotely interesting, subscribe and really do tell your friends. For every subscription to the podcast, your Drukari Hand of the Archon team gets a free extra snappy whip. <laughs> if you have a few spare pennies and would like to support the show, you can do so through Buy Me a Coffee. There is a link in the show notes. Once Upon a Kill Team will always be free and any help you give goes towards making the podcast better. We really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Once Upon a Kill Team. Just remember, it's not whether you won or lost. It's whether your Reaver Sergeant leaps over a barricade, Grapnel launches up onto a vantage point and shock assaults two hapless guardsmen into a bloody mess. See you next time.